You're listening to Joe List's Mindful Metal Jacket on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mindful Metal Jacket. I am Joe List, your host and buddy and pal. Uh, thank you for being here. Thanks for listening. Uh, it feels like more of you are listening than were before, which is what you want with a podcast, increased listenership. It's better than decreased. Am I right? How are you guys doing? I hope you don't have COVID. Hope you're being safe. I. It is my hope. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not tyrannical. Tyrannosaurus Rex. No. Uh, but I hope that you're wearing a mask in the grocery store and out and about. And I hope you're washing your hands. Um, seems like a good thing to do, according to the doctors and the scientists. I like them. Um, at the least, wash your hands before you uh, stick them in your ass. Uh, anyways, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. I've gotten a ton of really kind emails and nice reviews and tweets and texts, and uh, I really appreciate it. I'm grateful. I'm glad you're listening, and I'm glad it's uh, the show is helping a lot of folks, it seems like, and uh, helping people not feel alone or feel seen and heard, right? And uh, I appreciate it. I'm glad, glad, glad it's something. It's helping me as well. And um, I appreciate all the kindness I've received from you. So keep keep it up. Keep uh, emailing and, and sending nice reviews, five stars, nice comment. Those help. And uh, yeah, it's all just nice and good. And I'm grateful. So thank you for that. And uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We're living in a society, for God's sakes. So be nice and um, yeah, whatever. Oh, this probably isn't my best intro, but whatever. Great episode. Just finished recording with my dear friend, Mike Vecchione. Um, he does some plugs at the end, but check out Mike's albums. Uh, the Worst Kind of Thoughtful and Muscle Confusion, two of my favorite comedy albums. You probably know Mike from the podcast and stand-up comedy circuit. He's been my friend for many years now, 12, 13 years. He uh, dates uh, Katie Hannigan, who also has a great episode of the podcast. If you haven't listened to the early episodes, go check those out. Maybe you just jumped on board with Soder or with Ari later on, but uh, those early episodes are great, and I'm proud of them. But uh, Mike Vecchione is a really wise person and a super funny guy, funny comedian. And uh, we had a really nice conversation. This is one of my favorite episodes and um, normally I record the intro a little later, but this one I just recorded right after. So I'm hot off a nice episode. The sound's going to be a little different because we recorded it on Zoom, the website. Normally I record on my Zoom recorder, which is what I'm recording this on. But uh, it was easier for us to do Zoom. But I had a microphone plugged in and so did he. So hopefully it sounds pretty good. I, I played it back and it's fine. Um, so it'll be a little different, but I think it's still quality sound and I really enjoyed it. And I hope that you also enjoy it. And I hope that you go and check out Mike's comedy. It'll make you feel really good because he is one of the very best, uh, to ever do it in my opinion. Anyways, I love him. I love you. And I wanted to give you a little wisdom from a fellow Bostonian. You know him, you love him. It's Ram Das. Um, great follow on Instagram. Um, you can follow Ram Das. He passed away this year, but he seems fine with it from what I understand. Here's the quote. 
that's on his Instagram account and something that I need to heed myself, if that makes sense. When you stop living by other people's judgments or expectations, you start doing what you need to do. In trying to decide what you want to do with your life, listen to your heart. That's from Ram Das. And uh, he's a wise, wise man. Well, he's not really a man anymore. He's a, he's a dead person. Whatever you believe doesn't matter. I mean, it matters to you. doesn't matter in this context. But that's Ram Das. Check him out and enjoy this conversation with my friend and one of my favorite comedians, Mike Vecchio. So it'll be like an hour if that's cool. Yeah, that's fine. Um, great. Don't sound too excited. I have a hard out. <laughs> I have a hard on. <laughs> Boom. This is it. Let's use this because that's, that's a big line. <laughs> it's uh, 3.04 right now. At 4.05, I have to get my mail. So I have a lot going on. Are you worried about, uh, I just watched the news. You know, the news, this is like an old bit on the thing, on uh, like an old bit of comics. They're always like on the news. They just explain to the terrorists how to do it. Like he's like, this is just letting people know that they could terrorists could just do this with a virus. And I'm Um, watching going, shut up. (laughs) Like what the fuck? (laughs) Um, I thought it was going to be a, uh, I thought a terrorist were going to do something like this. I thought it would be a water supply thing. That's what uh, Jason Canner's dad, Fred, who you've probably met. Who's like Fred. I met him. Great guy, smart guy, like one of my favorite people. He's been saying that for years. He's like, if you want to start World War III and have just maximum chaos, turn off the water. There'd be a fucking war within a half an hour. <laughs> I mean, just imagine no one can shower. You can't boil water. You can't wash your hands. I mean, like, it would be over. Yeah. Just sh- And shitting, by the way. Uh, you'd have to shit in a plastic bag, I guess. Yeah, we do that for know. fun, Sarah and I. <laughs> Is that Fridays or is that more of a Thursday? No, it's Friday night after eleven. We shit in a bag and hit each other with it, and uh, we find it, we find it soothing. Now this uh, is a mental health podcast, right? So yeah, that's why I'm talking about this. <laughs> this is our mental health routine. We shit in, in bags. the bag. Um, so you're uh-huh. you're are you an anxious guy or because you got problems? Obviously, you're a, you're a mental case. I assume. Yes, I have. Um, but I have that thing, I think we all have it, I don't know, at some level, but we all have that thing where it's like your inner monologue. I, I remember it as a kid, like your inner monologue is just constantly going. It's constantly yes. like, it's constantly evaluating, judging, it's constantly going. And in the discipline now, as I've gotten older, is you realize that, oh, your thoughts aren't real. You just let them go. You know what I mean? So it's, it's but it's, it was happening when I was young. So I guess, I think comics are like that. I think maybe comics are just built that way where their inner monologue, their inner observation just, just nonstop keeps going. And I don't know if you call that anxiety. Maybe it causes anxiety, but it's, it's nonstop. But not everybody is like that. No, it's interesting when you meet people that aren't like that. Like we know some people like Lenny Marcus is a comic who's never been to therapy and he's the nicest person and just seems to be doing well. I'm sure he gets upset and sad, but he's just like, yeah, I've just never had that. Never felt the need to go to therapy. 
He just is no. an even keeled guy, right. which that's I don't know. great. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, and plus, Lenny seems like a um, a good problem solver. Like he, like half the reason I'm in therapy is for problem solving issues. I get frustrated quickly, and then I start to uh, unravel after that. So, um, and that becomes takes in many forms: then anger, uh, sadness, depression, you know, whatever. But Lenny seems like a guy who like step-by-step step will solve a problem is pretty good that way, you know? Yeah, he's somehow not bothered by too much, or he's bothered by the normal amount. But you said it well, and this is what the, the thing I got out of therapy. We have the same therapist, as right. almost every guest has the same therapist. But um, the thing that's helped me most I got from therapy that I, remember, that I have to remember is that um, my thoughts are not reality, and fear, right. fear is just fear. Right. And that's what like Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now, which yeah, is another thing, and, like amazing book. Um, that helped me so much of just being like, those are just thoughts. You don't have to believe your thoughts. And that's what anxiety is to me, is believing all those right. thoughts. Right. The thing that helped me the most in therapy is being aware of things. Like you'll be living in pain or something and, and, and something will be, but you won't, you can't put your finger on what, you won't even realize what it is. You just stumble over it sometimes. You're like, oh my God, I'm really like this. Like the, the fact, one of my issues I'll just share was, is, is um, approaching everything from a deficit. It's like, oh, today I got to do this. I got to do two podcasts. I got to, uh, I got to, I got to do this. I, I got to, I got to send an email. I got to do another podcast. I got spots. It's like, Everything is from a deficit. And when uh, our therapist, you know, he heard that, he's like, why is everything from a deficit? Why aren't you excited about going and doing this stuff, making the best out of it, being excited about it? Like, oh, I'm going to go do this. Oh, I'm going to do that. It's like, that's another way of looking at the world. You're looking at the world from a negative at, at the beginning. Before anything even happens, you're looking at it from the negative. Yeah, I feel the same way. First of all, I'm sorry that you've been dreading this podcast all day. I mean, I, I, oh, it was I, a nice way for me to um, tell you that, Joe. I, I hope you picked up. I'm glad you picked up on it. You're very perceptive. Thank you. It's all mindfulness. But yeah, I have the same exact thing. And I always laugh because like comedy, I'm like, oh, I got two shows tonight. And basically, you could break it down in a way that I'm like, oh, I got to go do my favorite thing in the world twice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's so funny. We're like, Oh, I got to fly all the way to a city I love to bring joy to people and see friends. Like, it's, it's, that's it. That's like my, my level of, um, my base level is wanting to be home alone watching Seinfeld. And ironically, I'm miserable when I'm doing that and I'm happy when I'm doing shows, but somehow I can't connect. I, I can't right. reconcile the two and recognize right. that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's been my main issue, looking at everything from a deficit. And it's really something that I, it's traced back to like when I was young. Yeah, I mean, I guess some people are like, they look at their younger years, they're like, oh, that was so great because I was so carefree and uh, there was no responsibilities. I didn't have a childhood like that. I looked at everything like it was a daunting task, even I when I was a child. I felt the exact same way. Like I remember my mother being like, we have errands to run. And it made me like sick. I felt sick to my stomach. The idea of like being at the bank was horrific to me. And like mailing a letter, it was all just yucky. <laughs> I was like, I want to go to the movies and that's it. Um, well, no, I don't know what I would have done 
because for me it was all kinds of extra like go to school and then go to karate we have to go to karate every night now i like the idea of karate i like the idea of of uh, murdering somebody with my bare hands but going to karate practice every day at 6 p.m becomes like i'm like what am i doing like i'm not looking now my whole day has changed um i have karate practice tonight like i have to go it's not like i'm excited about going it's like it becomes a chore. Same thing with like, I started playing Pop Warner football when I was nine, contact football. And it's, I got to be ready to go to football. I got to be ready to hit, you know what I mean? Like today. And I like the, like, again, I like the idea of football, but going to the practices every day for months at a time, it became like a daunting thing. And that's the way I viewed the world. Yeah, I feel the exact, I think we have the exact same thing. I felt that with baseball, basketball, this Oh, I got to go there. And I also, for me, a lot of it was anxiety too, like performance anxiety for right. particularly sports and athletics. That thing of, I want to be good. I want to be great. I don't want to embarrass myself. I, also, there's like fear of getting hit by a pitch or whatever it is, striking out, making an error, or right. in your case, you know, karate chopped to death, whatever the fuck it is. Um, there's that, that anxiety too. And that's probably what all that stuff was in general is anxiety, the fear of having to go somewhere. I heard a theory, I think I might have talked about this before, but there's a theory that like the reason your brain is aware that there's danger outside of your house. And so that's why it's trying to convince you not to go out there. Like it's like one of these evolutionary things, like outside of the cave, there's bears and saber toothed tigers that wow. rape you and stuff. So in your brain, you're like, ah, I just want to be here because it is safe. Like, so right. I don't know, like Alan might not agree with that. He doesn't, he thinks everything's learned behavior. Right. But I've heard those studies of like, it's this strange evolutionary thing that's like, stay home, it's safe here. Wow, I, did, I had no idea everybody thought that way. I was jealous of the guys who like, like when I was playing high school football, I was jealous of the guys who like, seemed to really enjoy it. They just seemed to really enjoy it. I'll tell you what's the difference is like today, like uh, the football teams, I think the high school, many of the, at least my high school now, I don't think they hit during the week. And I'm like, and they're like, yeah, too much injury was too much risk of injury. So we don't hit during the week. I'm like, that would have changed my entire high school experience, not having to hit during the week. Like that's most of it, like physical contact. And people are so, I'm not to change the subject, but people are so quick to argue. I'm not going to have my kids play football because of head injuries and all this other stuff, science. And I'm like, I get it, but there is something humbling about having to go out and hit and be hit. You re you, you put it together very quickly that there is cause and effect and I think that's today we don't have that. Everybody argues that one-sided thing, like oh, it's bad because of head injuries. But I think contact sports are necessary to keep because it, it keeps you, it gets you very. First of all, it's a it's a different thing to work through than just like a cardiovascular tiredness. It's 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 a it's a different thing to work. It's a different kind of adversity to work through, and it's um. It's very difficult, and you realize the cause and effect of things. If you run head first, if I run head first into you, I'm not delusional. I don't think I'm Spider-Man. I, I know like I'm going to get hurt. I might hurt you, but I'm also going to be hurt by that. And I think there's a problem in today's society because people are scaling back from that because of head injuries and whatnot, which is a concern. 
but they're on Twitter then. You see these people on Twitter and commenting on stuff, and they're saying ruthless, um, terrible things because they're, they're unable to connect what they're doing to any kind of consequences. Right. Oh, so you don't mean like um, mothers against contact football. You mean just like Twitter trolls and shit. Well, it's a, it's the it's a it's the same thing. It's like contact football is bad. People make that argument and they go, "It's bad." It's there's no other side to it. I'm like, there's always another side to it. It's like it's actually good in terms of like developing a humble person in the sense of being able to connect things like a cause and effect. You know, right. It's actually, it, it actually is good that way. And the, the example I use is the, you have these people on the internet with, they just have no, it's like they're saying things with no, um, there's no, uh, they don't understand consequences. They're just rattling off and uh, they're just rattling off these ruthless, vicious comments. And it's like, Oh, you were never, you were never in a contact sport. You never uh, said something to somebody and got punched in the face. That's another way to learn. You, you smart off to somebody and then somebody just goes, oh, okay, and punches you. In the, and you're like, okay, well, I'm going to connect things now. I'm not going to do that again. Right, right. Chris Stefano has an incredible bit. lack of that now because people, people are just saying things and there's no consequences coming back. They're just being able to be as vicious as possible. I don't know if I'm making sense here, but I, I feel like I have some kind of a point. No, you make you are making sense. Uh, Chris D. Chris Stefano has a great bit about that. He's like, I used to have opinions, but then I went into a bar in Brooklyn and shared my opinions, and the guy, whatever it is, knocked me out, and then I left being like, you know, I don't think that was correct. I think or whatever Chris says, that's hilarious. Um, funny guy, but yeah, it sounds like all you Italians are um, horrible people that want violence inflicted on children. <laughs> um, but no, but I, I agree. Mean, I, I have a friend. I have a friend to this to this end who was a he's a very good uh, high school. I played with him in Ohio, and he was a linebacker, and he was a hit. He really hit hard. He was a really a hard hitter, but he wasn't that athletic of a guy. And uh, I talked to him, you know, a couple of years ago after you know he owns a bar and stuff. He went to college and played college. He's good enough to play college football. He's really tough. And uh, but the college in the college he went to like didn't hit during the week, so there was like no way to kind of. Once the camp is over and you're like on the depth chart as the second or third guy, it's like there's no way to earn your – for him anyway, he's like, I wasn't athletic enough. I was going to earn a spot on athleticism. I had to earn it through hitting. And if there's no hitting during the week, then there's no way for me to get into a game. Right, right. So, well, it's interesting too because like people talk about the head injuries, which is obviously a concern. And I have a friend who's really smart. He's a, a state – cop but he passed the bar he was like a lawyer he had no work now he's a cop it doesn't matter and his wife is uh sort of a, a doctor really two really smart thoughtful people and their son plays football and i asked him and i was like is, are you concerned at all about the thing and he was like dude first of all he's like if you saw them play you would laugh at the idea of them having head injury he's like right. they're nine years old they're running right. around they're all chasing yes. each other falling right. down right and he said the same thing it's like they so much has changed like the helmets have changed mm -hmm. they don't allow any uh spearing and leading with the helmet they teach the kids how to hit safely they take kids out if whatever and there are obviously some instances of young yes. kids getting hurt but um there's not a a, a widespread problem below college football i don't think of right. the head injuries right. and then there's all these studies that like soccer heading the ball can fuck you up too right um it's but, funny my father i when i played my first year of contact football I was at nine years old and um 
I was nervous, you know, about, about doing it. I'd never played a, you know, I was in karate, taekwondo, but it was like, it wasn't full contact. So I was a little nervous about it. And, um, I had heard that there had been a kid who got paralyzed the year before. And I told my father, I said, you know, a kid got paralyzed the year before. And my father goes, just, uh, tackle with the right technique, the way I taught you and, uh, make sure you stay in shape. You'd be good. <laughs> he wasn't like, he wasn't at all. Like, I'm like paralysis. You know, I meant like I was going to today, somebody would say that and they would be like, Oh my God, this is, let's look at all of them. My father's like, you're good. Just tackle with the right technique. Make sure you keep yourself in shape. Make sure you're alert and uh, you'd be good. But I think that's actually good in some ways because for me, I could have used that. I, I've never, I was always afraid of everything, still am afraid of everything, disease and war and all this shit. And nobody ever calmed me like that. No one was ever like, uh, it's just fear. You're having anxiety. Those right. things could happen. They probably won't. Um, which is sort of ironic because it took me 37 years to stop panicking and having extreme anxiety and hypochondria about everything that happened. And so we got time for that. Like bird flu, I was freaking out. And climate change, all this stuff. Wow. And then this came around, Corona, COVID. And I was like, Ah, it's not this stuff never ends up being anything. I've wasted too much of my life worrying Hilarious. about this stuff. And then like three days later, they're like, the fucking NBA is canceled. Every gig you have is canceled. You have no money. And uh now I got the 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 NBA got canceled, but I was in Chicago at Zany's and I, the NBA got canceled in between shows. I'm like, ah, oh, this is when you're taking that kind of a hit financially, economically, it's serious. When That's, people are losing millions of dollars like that, you're like, okay. This is this is very serious. That's exactly how I felt. People were like, "Oh, it's conspiracy. This is conspiracy." I'm like, "Which conspiracy? The conspiracy yeah. for Americans to lose trillions of dollars?" Yes. There's no I mean, conspiracy. There's no conspiracy where billionaires are losing a ton of a millions of dollars. No. Um, but yeah. Now, is is this freaking you out? Does this trigger anxiety for you, or? How are you doing with this? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm watching all the stuff and I'm taking precautions because, you know, from what I've heard, I think there's a couple strains of it. I think there's one strain that you go right to the hot, like, I think it's no matter how healthy you are, you, it, it attacks you, your respiratory and you go right to the hospital, you get on a ventilator and you don't come off. I think there's like a deadly strain. I don't think it's very pre- like uh, one of the prevalent ones, but it's it's a deadly one. And the rest of it is like you can get sick, but if you're healthy, you can overcome it. You know, I, I think there's a couple different strains of it going around. So are you more worried health-wise or financial-wise? Yeah, I'm worried. Both? I'm all the way around. Like, I don't know what things are going to look like when they come back. Like, is you know i sometimes i felt like this kind of before too i'm like is stand-up vaudeville like i i don't know if it is like it seems like it seems like um i don't know how much i was just talking about this on another podcast like the way we came up we came up we started before any of these youtube and twitter and any of that stuff and i'm not saying it one way or another as a moral judgment but i'm just saying there was no other option but to sit in the back of the club and like try to get on hang out and then try to get stage time but to sit in the back of the club and watch other comics watch the really good guys and then work your way into the clubs there weren't even that many rooms you know and when you would bomb like i would i i would bomb or not even bomb but not do as well as other people on the show and you would have to go home and sit in your bomb and look over your notes and go (laughs) okay i have to like make adjustments how, how, how do I I need to make adjustments 
Like, how do I do that? Because I have to go back the next night. I'm going to go back the next night and, and do it again. So it's like, there was no, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to tweet some stuff. I can um, get my own audience and then they'll understand me. There was none of that. It was like, okay, you're not good. Now you have to figure out how to get better. It seemed like that was, that was the way through. And it seems like now there's, all, there's so many other options. Like if you take one of those bombs, you don't have to sit in it. You can go, oh, well, that, that crowd wasn't for me. I'm gonna get, I'll start a podcast. I'll start a web series. I'll do this other thing. Like there's, there's ways to like rationalize out of the adversity that you have to go through to be actually good. Well, it's interesting too, because like you said, <clears throat> even now, if you have a fucking horrible bomb, you can go on IG live in your car and be like, I just had the worst bomb. And then you can get likes and favorites and have it go viral. Oh my God. I had this horrible gig back then. There was no, you could only tell that story to your four buddies that would laugh at you and call you a fag or whatever. Right. Right. Bombing. right. Now it's like you could tweet it out and that becomes uh, a video or a story or a TikTok about how you bombed. And even in the situation, you could scan and be like, look at this hell gig with your camera. Right. And it's like, it, it, everything, there's so many more tools, whereas then you would just be suicidal. Yeah. And I guess it speaks to mindset too, because if you have the right mindset and you're working on your craft and you're like, okay, I bombed with, even with all this stuff out there, I didn't do well. I got to figure out how to make, and I do it now too. Like we do it as comments like okay that didn't go well this is this not coming along the way i want to i'm going to listen to it i'm going to try to make it better but also i'm going to start a podcast and i'm going to work on that as another creative outlet but i'm going to work on it in such a way that i make it good i'm not going to do it just to do it i'm going to make it good or i'm going to start a web series but i'm going to get good people involved in it and i'm going to take the time to write it and make it good like so so there's a mindset now where you can use all of these things, these tools that are available, and you can use them to get better. Right. So, so I guess it just depends on, the, on your mindset. But back then, my point was there was, no, there was no option but to sit in it. Right, right. So is that what you're doing now with this? Like, how, how are you dealing with this, just trying to focus on a podcast? And you're, you're a big meditator still, right? Meditating yeah, like yoga. I wake up, you know, like we went on a we went on that road trip together. We did uh, the Comedy Cellar, Comedy Cellar Vegas. And then w what was it? Utah. We went to Utah mm -hmm. together, right? Yeah. It was Utah in the mountains. So what I do is um, I try to like, I wake up. I try not to, because I have to go to the, I have to pee like first thing. So I try to like, um, as soon as I wake up, I, I try not to let too much happen. I just meditate immediately. Same. Yes. You know, immediately. Because um, like I, I made a mistake today. Like I looked at my phone before I meditated and there was a couple of texts that upset me, like upsetting, not, not emergency, anything, but upsetting texts. And then when I was meditating, that's all I, I, I struggle to let go of those thoughts. I, I just have, struggle to let go of them. So I it's like very important thing. to do the it first right out of bed. Meditate. I sorry, I interrupted. It's hard with the uh, video, but I have the same exact thing. And Mike Kaplan, who you know, of course, was yes. on a couple of weeks ago, and he told me a really good, helpful thing that's similar to what you're saying. Is he read a study or an article that there's formative years in your life, like whatever when you're a kid, um, but there's also formative minutes throughout your life, and the formative minutes he considers those first minutes when you wake up that they form how your day is going to go. 
And that's why, and we were doing it anyways before we even heard this, but that thing of waking up, don't look at your phone, go straight into meditation and sort of um, create a, some positivity right off the bat because it, it kind of forms that day. And I'm dealing with the same thing. A lot of times on Tuesday, I get all these tweets from Tuesdays with Stories fans and most of them are really positive and nice, but there's always one snarky one or one shitty and I'm a sensitive guy. So I take it personally and same exact experience you you get up you get on the chair to meditate and the hundred percent of the time I'm just thinking about one fucking tweet or whatever right. it is and right. at least I've grown a little bit with mindfulness meditation to at least go oh I'm I'm obsessing over that tweet so yeah. that's a big step to even recognize it right it doesn't make it feel right. where I used to be like I'm not meditating properly I'm a piece of shit but at least if you recognize it but. Right. It's so easy to just send your day off into a weird skewing into this horrible place if you don't get that shit done right away. Right, right. And, uh, and then it, it, then the practice is like if you're caught in that, it's like, okay, I got to let this go. I'm having this thought. As soon as you have the thought, you're supposed to let it go, come back to your breath, come back to the present moment. So that's what I try to do. But like I said, but it's supposed to be – the reason you're supposed to do it first thing in the morning because your brain is in a theta state. It's like in that somewhat of a dream state, and that's that helps you to like manifest the things that uh, that you're. I mean, I, I meditate to what I meditate now to is uh, affirmations. So I think the theta state, that kind of a dream state that you're in, helps you to manifest the things throughout your day. So that's the that's the uh, purpose of doing it right out of bed and then before you go to sleep when you're in the kind of when you're coming down and go, and going into like a dream state it's best to do it then also so i try to i deep i breathe deeply in the morning and then at night i don't i don't breathe deeply i just breathe regular and listen to the affirmations as i drift off and is there an app or a website that you're using i read this book and then um and the book is connected to an app and uh the app has um, different aspects of your life, relationships, uh, relationship with God, if you believe in God, um, um, career, um, health. Like it's got like five different aspects of your life. Because if you're just meditating on one thing, like uh, like career, like then you'll you'll manifest that, but you'll have the best career, but then the rest of your life will be in shambles. You know, may, might be in shambles because you've ignored it. You know, so it's it's I can try to send you the app. It came with the book, but I, I think I could send you the app. Oh, that'd be great. Well, I've been yeah. doing the Wim Hof breathing. I don't know if, did we talk about that? Cause that feels yeah, I love that. what you do. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been doing that since December and I really enjoy that. But I also, I use the calm app, which I love. Right. That's a daily 10 minute meditation. Sometimes I'll do it a second time and then just my own mindful meditation or walking meditation. And then I have to constantly be reading a Thich Nhat Hanh or Jack Kornfield or Tara yeah. Brock or yeah, I totally. I love that stuff. I love reading that stuff. It puts me in a good place mentally. And I, I love the fact that, you know, you don't realize that your mind can spiral out of control. It can really spiral into some dark places that are not real. And um, it's like when I walk, well, I'm not really walking anywhere now, but even if I go for a walk now, I'll get a hold of my thoughts and I'll start repeating um, positive things in my head, things that I want to achieve. And it, it's kind of fun sometimes to think of the things that you want to achieve and think of the state that you want to be in. So I'll just keep repeating that and I'll, I'll feel my state get better, my mental state, because the physicalness of the walking 
combined with the um, saying mantras over and over again, and not just saying it, but kind of like um, believing it and, and, and kind of like not saying like a robotic thing, but really being in it as you're walking and doing something physical, it really raises your level of consciousness. Wow. I mean, that sounds great. So you kind of saying to yourself, you're, I'm doing, you're doing okay, or you're healthy or something like that, or is it? Well, no, I'll start with that. I'll start with that. Um, every day in every way I'm getting better and better. It's Uh, like Ryan every day in every way I'm getting better and better. So I'll say something like that. I'll just keep saying it over every day in every way I'm getting better and better every day in every way I'm getting better and better. And I'll say it as I'm walking. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, it, it brings your, it brings your mindset up. It really does. And there's something with the physicalness of it. I do a workout too. I've been working out at home and, um, I, I, I did this before the, I worked out at home a little bit before the, um, the pandemic and I would do this workout and I would do, I would start by doing, get my heart rate up. So I'd start by doing uh, jumps, a uh, deep jumps for, um, 30 seconds and then shadow boxing for 30 seconds. And I would do that for 10 minutes and that gets your heart rate up and then you the jumping really gets your heart rate up and the shadow boxing you're doing something you're you're keeping your body in motion but it's not as intense it's like interval training you're not doing nothing but it's not as intense as the jumps so right. it gives you a that you're moving but it's a chance to like recover so i'll do that but as i was doing the jumps i would envision words like power 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 like power i'm powerful and and i'll tell you what i would do that and then i would do calisthenics push-ups and stretches and all kinds of things and uh it's about a 40 45 minute workout but at the end of it like i would get a shower and then go do spots my spots would always be better my performance would always be better and then when when i do late night sets like i would do i would make sure part of my process would be to do that workout because my performance became better from it right so there's something with the mindset and physical motion that uh, that uh, has an effect interesting i feel like we do a lot of the same things without even really coordinating because i i do that every morning too. I'm, i've been running during quarantine a bunch and even before that but i'll start off with doing a lot of shadow boxing because i started doing mma in october which i'm loving so i'll do a lot of shadow boxing push-ups and then stretching but similarly i'll do push-ups and then shadow box in between sets of push-ups but i gotta do it with the positive affirmation because what i i'm gonna end up doing is you're a piece of shit you're not doing enough that was only 25 push-ups you're fat your diet sucks like i i do all that i just beat the shit out of myself mentally all the time right and I have a hard try time. It, the, try it. Try the affirmations while you're doing the physical. I think it'll make a huge difference. It made a huge difference for me. Okay. Yeah, I will. I definitely will. I mean, this sounds because great. I, I, I don't get the same effect in the gym because I don't, I, there's other people around, blah, blah, blah. So I don't do that in the gym. And I don't, as a result, I don't feel as good as when I do it in my own apartment because I'm, if I'm alone, especially like I'll be, I'll talk to myself. I'll talk out loud to myself. I'll right. say like embarrassing things, like things I would never repeat, but I'm talking myself up almost like into a frenzy. I think that's what I need because my problem, my biggest problem in life is self-hatred. I mean, and for some reason it comes up hardcore like at night before bed. Sarah's always like, what just happened to you? Where all of a sudden I'm like, I fucking, I hate my teeth. I hate myself. I hate my diet. I fucking suck. And it's like, I'm 
looking at myself in the mirror being like, you are a piece of shit, which has gotten better in sobriety. When I was a drunk, I did that constantly. That's how I felt all the time. Yeah, well, the drinking was to cover it, right? Maybe? Completely, yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, I've been trying to figure out, even during quarantine, because I have sort of this open space to... um, go into all those things, the past and the thoughts. And I just found all these old photos where trying to get to the bottom of like that drinking like that of like, man, something is fucked up to drink in that way right. all the time. But I have an issue. Do you have this issue? Like I have such a, one of my biggest problems, maybe my biggest problem is connecting to reality, which is another thing Alan talks about a lot, our therapist, where I have all these accomplishments and I'm doing well, but I have a hard time connecting, which is the same thing I was just talking about with self-hatred, where I'm like, you know, what you and I have been successful in comedy. Like I sit there and I'm like, I started from nothing 20 years ago, which is so interesting about comedy. You just show up, you're literally at the most bottom zero. Right. right. And I managed to make it to the Tonight Show right. and Conan and right. Letterman and yes. Netflix. Like I did that. Nobody else did it. I did it. I'm right. sitting in a really nice apartment. I have yeah. savings. Right. But I have no connection to it. I'm like, yeah, but you, you, you just tricked them. You, you got a little lucky. It's like that thing in your brain that I have trouble actually connecting to the, the uh, feeling of accomplishment. Is that anything you struggle with at all? Wow. No. Um, yeah, it, it, kind of. It's kind of. But I don't, I don't look at my accomplishment and go, wow, I don't deserve this. Uh, I have the thing where it's like uh, I look at it. I look at it from a deficit. Some my weakness is I look at it from a deficit. If I don't like, uh, I could be doing more. Like I, I should have this. I should have like I should have this. I should be working on this. I should n- not so much. And then and then sometimes it work. It, it uh, I guess different things. Different things work on me. Like uh, uh, all my friends are married with kids. It's like, right. did I let that part of my life go? And to what end? To what end? Like, um, you know, uh, I have a girlfriend now. We're, we're doing great. Like, I really love her. And um, but before that, like when I was single, it's like, to, did I? I look at my accomplishments and I'm like, was it worth it? You know, was it worth it not to have a family? Like, I don't have a family. Like, is what if? The worst happens. I just die alone. You know what I mean? Like there's those fears that creep in, but I don't have a thing where it's like, no, I don't, I didn't, I didn't deserve, I didn't deserve this. My thing was always like, um, okay, how do I get to the next level? Like I need to get to the next level. I need to figure out how to get at the next level. And some of that is maneuvering business wise. And some of it is like making sure I'm at the top at a high level comedically. Because right. those two those two things are not the same things. Like people go, oh, well, you, you know, I think people have a thing now where they just accept people who are famous or people who are in the spotlight are good, and especially at, the, at this time, that's not true at all. Because you have the skill to maneuver through the business, and I'm not putting a judgment on it. It is a skill to maneuver through the business and align yourself with the right people and to press those right people to put you on and give people in power to give you things is a skill. And I, I'm a, I'm a, I can appreciate that, but it's not the same skill set as being comedically funny. It's sure. not the same skill set. So it, and, and I think people, 
they get that confused sometimes because I think when people rise to a level of popularity, it just seems like everybody accepts the fact that they are at a high skill level. And the fact of the matter is, I don't know about maybe the general public doesn't see that, or and maybe comics don't talk about it, but I can see it. Oh, completely. We and all can thing- see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Anybody who's been around any amount of time. And and maybe those people who who are in that situation, they don't care. And I could see why they wouldn't care. Yeah, I don't think but, they um, do. But it is a thing. It's a real thing. Yeah. Well, I think what, for me, like, it's not that I feel like I don't deserve the things I did. I think it's similar. Like, I should be doing more, could be doing more. But I have trouble connecting to the joy of it. Like, I remember the last late night or I guess it was two late nights ago, but my tonight show, when I did the tonight show, they called me and were like, you got a date. And immediately I'm like, do I invite my parents? Is that going to be a burden for them to come down? I got to tell my family, but I was at my cousin was graduated from the Marines. So I was like, I don't want to tell him now because I don't want to take from his weekend. This is his weekend. And um, I, my parents are going to feel obligated to come, but I, and then I'm going to deal with them being there. And then I'm like, I got to get a suit and the, the set. I don't even remember what set it was. And my therapist was like, where is, where's the joy? Like days had passed before I was like, oh, great. The Tonight Show. Like there's no joy. There's not even a moment of like, yes, this is going to be great. I'm just like, what right. if I fuck up? What if I have right. a panic attack? And even afterwards, you have that thing of like, was the set good? I, I don't even right. know. Like there's never um, joy. I try to work on that. But there's no, I, I have trouble connecting to the, the joy and the feeling of accomplishment. It's not so much that I feel like I didn't deserve it because I feel like a really good comic. Um, but yeah, it's the connection to what I have. And even, right. the, even connecting to like the fact that my wife loves me. There's like right. part of me that it's like, uh, I don't know. She probably doesn't. She just tolerates me. Um, right. Right. Not from her not showing it already. Yeah. It's just but the- for you, your inability to let it in. I do have that too. I have that too, where it's like, I'll do something, I'll prepare for it, you know, much the way you prepare for sports. Like, I, that's how I connected. And I prepare for it and go do it and do a good job. And then, and then be like, okay, well, what, you know, what now? And it's like right. without the ability to really take it in and enjoy it and go, oh, no, this thing is good. It's good on its own. It's good to, as its own end. It's right. good, you know? So, yeah, I struggle with that. I'll tell you what was really helpful for me, man, uh, as far as doing late night sets is, and I didn't think anything of it. I mean, I, I came to your Conan, and also on a separate occasion, I came to Mark's Conan. Mm-hmm. And um, I got to hang out with you guys in the green room and hang out with you and him on separate occasions. It was so cool to see. Um, the waves of insecurity go, because I know you guys both as like very high level comics, you two are the best in the city. So uh, best in the country, really. And um, I'm, I'm watching you guys and, uh, and I'm watching you go through the emotions of having to deal with going on. I mean, for people who don't know, it's a very, it's a high pressure situation. It's like you're going out there and you have one shot to get it. And you, you, you know, you've worked the set um, for months sometimes, and, and you've done it over and over again. So the pressure builds to that and to see some, I know what it feels like, but to see somebody else go through it. Then when I did another uh, late night set, I, when I started having those feelings, I was, it, it almost validated it for me. It's like, okay, this is normal. Two guys I really respect go through this also. 
they're going through it also. They're very funny and they're in the clubs all the time. They're working all the time. There's no reason they should go through it, but they went through it also. So this is a normal thing. I'm going to roll it and I'm going to go out there and loose and enjoy it. Right. Well, I'm glad I could be uh, of service to you. It was huge. It was a huge thing. Um, well, that's like another Alanism art therapist that I use as like my life's mantra. I want to get it tattooed on me. He always says, of course. And I think <laughs> of that, of course, is like my mantra where I'm like, I'm like freaking out, right? I have anxiety. And he'd be like, of course, like you're going on TV. It would be psychotic to not have anxiety. Right. And that Conan, I think that was the one where I had a panic attack right before. Like, I think Chris Walsh was there and maybe Henry and you. Yeah, Henry, yeah, yeah. And you guys kind of And we watched from the side. Yes. We watched from the side. You destroyed. I mean, I started freaking out, right? That was when I was, right before I got married, I was having all these panic attacks. And I can remember that moment of like, fuck, I'm I'm going into like an anxiety attack right now. And that was sort of a life-changing moment in a way, or not a life-changing, but I mean, I think every moment is life-changing. But... I came off and I was talking to Alan after I got back and I was like, man, I was having an anxiety attack. And he's like, well, you had an anxiety attack on TV and it was fine. Nobody even noticed. The set was great. Everyone was happy. You killed. So he's like, that should take the teeth out of those, that anxiety a little bit in that you were having it, but still didn't really affect you. And that helped me going forward of like, oh, it is just anxiety. Can't. Right kill you or ruin you you can still be fine with it but um there's a thing that helped me a lot too during because you run the set so much and um i was getting ready to go do it the tonight show and i was getting ready to to go out there you know they walk you behind the curtain and uh so you're getting ready to go and somebody said to me i forget who it was because they've watched they watched me run the set and they go you know the set is good right the set is really good Right. Like, in other words, what the fuck are you worried about? It's good. Like, you're not trying new material. (laughs) It's like you've done it in clubs for months. It's like murdering. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm not, you know, they're not, they're like, I'm not saying it to suck your dick. I'm just saying it like, it is what you're going to murder. So, like, what are you worried about? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, that's, I mean, I told this story recently. Oh, Caitlin Palufo was on another, another Guinea. And uh, we talked about our late nights and I I just told the story a couple of weeks ago, so I don't want to get too much into it. But I had, when I first did Letterman, I was freaking out, but I had that thing of like, well, right now I'm just in the elevator right now. I'm just waiting to go on. And then when you're out there, you're like, well, right now I'm just telling jokes. And you slowly, when you break it down, you're like, there's not really any moment that I need to be worried. Right. I'm just kind of standing here and then I'm going to go do jokes. And maybe I mentioned this on that episode. People will just have to bear with me as I say it again. But the best late night advice I got that I still think about all the time is from Nick Griffin, who's one of my favorite comics of all time. Unbelievable. And one of my favorite people to a dear friend. But we were, I was asking him for advice and I have the voicemail still. He's like, my advice is to you is that you do not need my advice. (laughs) <laughs> it just helped me so much. He's like, the same thing. He's like, you're a great comic. The crowd is hyped up. It's the best crowd ever. No right. one has bad sets on Letterman. Right. You're a fucking pro. Like, right. And that helped. At the time, I was like 14 years into comedy. Yeah. And to have Griffin, to me, is like a legend. No one's yeah. you know, ever heard of the fucking guy. But to me, he's like top 10 comics ever. So good. And he's like, you don't, you don't need, there's nothing. 
And that, that helped me on so many levels because, and this is what Alan's helped me with, which I've paid thousands of dollars to Alan and Nick Griffin just nailed it in a moment. But that thing of, I feel like I need someone, I'm not capable. I need someone to help me, tell me that it's going to be okay. Somebody advise me. And that probably comes from parents or, or right. their, their shortcomings. But I was like, can you help me? And he's like, you don't need my help. And it was like this epiphany of like, I have the skills and wisdom and ability to yes. do things. I don't yeah. need someone else to tell me. I right. can just do it. I'm, I'm capable of doing it. And so that was like huge. You know what helps me in those moments too is a, a big thing helps me is like, hey, dude, how about, how about this? How about you go out there and enjoy it? Right. Like, enjoy it. Like, go out there loose, say what's up to the root, say what's up to J- – like, and then just after the first joke and the, the, you feel it hit, like, just enjoy it, man. It's fun. Yeah, it's it, exactly. And I remember saying to Gallman when I before I ever did a late night, I was at his Letterman, and I've said it to Norman too, of that moment right before you go, every single comedian on earth wishes they were where you are right now. Right. So it's a disservice to not enjoy it. Yes. Everybody wants to be doing what you're doing. I right. feel that way. Sometimes I'll go on the road. I, I love cemeteries. I'll walk around cemeteries because they're like beautiful. But right. part of me, I enjoy doing it just to be like every fucking person here would give anything to switch spots with me for a day. <laughs> These people are all dead. Like they got nothing. They got nothing going on. There's no grass. There's no fuck. I mean, maybe there's an afterlife or whatever, but you're like... They'd all be like, dude, just let me get a hot dog. Come on. And it, like, it makes me feel grateful to be like, all right. Yeah, I, um, live, in a, I live in Queens like you. I live close to you. And uh, when I go to the airport, you don't have to pass that cemetery when you go to um, LaGuardia. And uh, I look at the cemetery, and it's such a New York cemetery because the plots are so close together. <laughs> There's such a premium on land out here. Like even the dead people in New York have to be cramped together in the same space. Yeah, they can hear them talking to their wife. Like they're talking to their wife and there's a guy like, that's not true. And you're like, shut <laughs> up, dude. Bernie, fucking leave me alone. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, the thing is, it's, it's from me, it's like anything to counter the mindset of operating from a deficit. Stop operating from a deficit. This is fun. This is a good time. Go out there and enjoy it. Everything is not pushing a rock up a hill. Like, in, you know, you can do hard things, but you could take a mindset into it that the, this is going to be fun. Dude. Let's go. Let's, let's, even when you're writing, jo- like sitting down, I used to sit at the coffee shop before a set and just like, I need some marriage jokes. I need some of these jokes. I need some sex jokes. And like, and like try to churn them out. And it's like, that's number one, it's so much. It, it, it doesn't produce the way that you want it to. And it's so much, it makes it such a burden to do comedy. It's like, why do comedy that way when you can like journal and it's like, oh, maybe there's something here. Maybe I'll call somebody and talk it out with them. It's like, that's such a better way. And the, and the bit comes out more organic. Right. You're I can, not married to the wording of each joke because you've let some of the intensity go. That's another problem I have, which is being too intense, like focusing on something too intensely. It's like, Loosen it up a little bit. Looser is better. You know, I wrestled and um, 
the guys I, I wrestled in high school and I was pretty good in high school, but then uh, for my state and then I went to college and I went to a high level program, a, a program that was above what I was skill level wise. But I watched these guys who were really good. Like um, they were two and three times state champs, national champs, all Americans. And I watched the way that they were in practice. And it's like, everything was loose. Everything was loose, but effective. And it's right. like, they weren't like, ah, you know what I mean? Like, so like, everything was loose and as a result everything was faster and um it flowed and it flowed easier you know what i mean and they were really good man really high level well that's what but i think um, it's the same thing with comedy it's like if you hold on too tight it's not as effective as if you loosen up and just let it go completely and that's a lesson you can learn anytime you watch ted alexandro do anything Right. Like you watch Ted on stage and he's just pausing for like what feels like nine minutes in between jokes. And he's just slow and methodical, but just a, a brilliant, brilliant comic. Guy. And yeah. like, I, I always joke, like he slows every comedian down, every comic, every time you watch Ted, everyone slows down. Like if we did a, a like Vegas with them and there was five of us, right. We just, just by watching Ted, yeah. everybody would just bring it down a little. Cause he's a guy that's like really enjoying it and seems right. to, have it um, figured out. But what you're saying with wrestling and being loose, that, that was a lesson I learned too from st starting to do MMA with Diego Lopez, who's a wonderful comic and uh, jujitsu black belt MMA guy. He was on an episode of this, the second episode. But that helped me too of like uh, rolling with him doing jujitsu. He's always like, he'll pause in the middle of us wrestling, rolling, and he'll go, uh, you're, not, you're not breathing. Like, I'm just stiff. He's like, just right. loosen up. And we would do that all the time. Grab my wrists and just loosen and go, first of all, this is fun. We're friends. I'm not, we're not, this isn't a back lot or I'm not, you're not getting robbed. Let's enjoy this <laughs> and be loose and breathe. And it's funny, like even like a chokehold in MMA, you have to be loose. Like in my mind, I'm like trying to do right. this thing. And he's like, it's gotta be a slow step, like a, like a slow if you give it all at once, you're going to run out and let up and then they get air and then you're, you're done. It has to right. be this sort of slow constriction. Um, and I also similarly and sort of metaphorically, like, you know, there's these people that are like, I don't talking about fighting someone. They're like, I don't care. Like I got uncles that are like, you're training MMA, but I'm, I'm fucking mean, man. And Diego was just laughing. He's like, I love these people that think mean or angry has anything to do with fighting. He's like, I prefer that. The guy who's more angry than me, he's like, I'll, do, I'll, I'll kill that guy because he's too yeah. emotional. Yeah, yeah. But people that haven't trained fighting, they think like, oh, I'll get angry. And he was saying, and I've seen other people talk about this in fights, this book I read, A Fighter's Mind. They're like, do you try to make anything personal? Like, like Jordan does it with basketball, but like, do you try to make anything personal? He's like, no, you want to do the opposite. You want to go in completely level-headed. Yeah. You don't want to sit there being like, oh, this guy fucked my wife. I'm going to kill him. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you want to be even keeled. But it's a similar metaphorically with comedy of just right. going in there and like, I'm going to write to write and anything that comes will come. And that's something Alan has helped me with too. He's like, don't write to get a bit or don't write a movie to make a movie. Write because it's a valuable usage of time. You're creating, right. expressing yourself. Yeah, you don't know what could come from it. Yeah that's when the positivity comes and I've been trying to write this movie and Louie has been helping me a lot. I've been talking to him and he says the same thing. I'm like, Oh, I just want to make this. And he's like, knock that shit off. Don't think about making it. Don't think about how you're going to make it finish the script. Just write it like you're telling a story. And then when you're done with that, then you can worry about 
how it's going to be made, but it'll fuck it up. And it's the same with comedy. If you're writing a bit being like, oh, this is going to work on Fallon. You're like, just write it to express yourself of what you're yeah. thinking. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's not, it's funny because when, when you talk about this stuff, people listening are like, these guys sound like they got it all figured out. Well, that, I tell Alan this all the time. It's like, because when I identify a right thing, you know, I'm like, oh, this is the right thing to do. But I know saying it, like it's, it's, it's infinitely harder to live it. I can right. say it, but it's infinitely harder to live it. That's why these podcasts and stuff, it's like I, I do mine and, um, uh, and everybody does them. And uh, I, can, I learn stuff from them, the ones that I listen to, and uh, I do like them. But you have people on there who are um, good at articulating things. But it's like, it, you know, are you living it? Living it is the difficult part. I mean, anybody can go on a thing, not anybody. I mean, it takes a skill set to go on and um, be articulate and be funny and all that stuff. And that's great. But it's like, and, and, and it's meaningful. But it, the real challenge is living it. Right. You know? So anybody can say it, but like living it is a huge, it's a huge thing and i think that we're in we're a culture where it's like oh this person said this and this person said that it's like it's like that's a good person that's a bad it's like how is that person living that's the really the evidence of what they're you know the, where the rubber meets the road so to speak it's like how are they living you can get on and say say anything but if you're doing the opposite in your life you know it's meaningless what you're saying you know yeah no and that's why it's like for me I lose sight of all this stuff. I have to keep going back and keep reading these things and meditating. It's like a daily reprieve. Like you have to keep getting back in there because like there's been so many books I've read, you know, Eckhart Tolle and Jack Cornfield, where I read a book and I'm like, that just changed my fucking life. Yeah. I get it. I got to be in right. the moment. That's it. Right. Right. And then like three hours later, I'm like festering about some, you know, some kid that fucking shit on my sandwich in fifth grade. I'm like, I wonder where that bastard is. Yeah. You know, so it is like a constant effort. That's why meditating a couple times a day helps. And this podcast has been helpful for me. It's good to get in touch with your, I'm reading stuff about the subconscious mind now. That's why I brought this stuff up about the theta state. It's like you're in different states. Your mind is in different states. And it's weird that your perception of the world was formed, you know, to, from like, they say to age like six or seven. You know, you, your subconscious, the voice in your head was formed and you're taking that with you. You know what I mean? So regardless, you know, however you were brought up from age, from a baby to seven, that's the voice in your head. And it's like, uh, uh, you know, a lot of us have dysfunctional ways of thinking because of that. And so I'm reading about how to change that, you know, to, to a more um, positive, productive way of thinking. You know, because oh. because unless, you know, you're consciously thinking of the books that you read and how you want to change your life. But as soon as you relax a second, you fall back in, into that default state of when you were young and the negative thoughts and all that stuff. So it's like, how do, how do you change that? How do you change that recording that's going off in your head all the time? You know what I mean? And and I can feel it when I do the when I do the walking, when I do the walking after it's like I'm down, start thinking negative. You catch yourself and you're like, now I'm going to start doing these now. I'm going to start saying this. I'm going to start. It's almost like bossing your I'm going to dictate to my mind what to think. I'm not going to let it. I'm not going to let my mind control me. I'm going to control my mind. Right. Yeah. It is a full effort and not easy. I heard a great quote the other day. If it's hysterical, it's historical. 
which is like interesting, uh, important to remember when you're like losing your fucking mind on something, right. you're like, oh, this isn't about my laundry ticket. This is from, you know, when I was four and my dad, you know, called me fat or whatever that, whatever the hell it is. That's and great. It's, it's great to remember with other people too, when you're dealing with someone else, that even if it's on Twitter or wherever, where they're losing their mind, you're like, oh, if it's hysterical, it's historical. This is this person struggling with, you know, their uncle finger fucking them in third grade. That's so great, man. It's That's a really a great thing. thing. Yeah, it's a helpful thing because it's almost never what's happening in that right. moment that's causing right. the person, especially in relationships or whatever. That's um, a great thing, man. I never heard that before. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's one of those things that you hear and you're like, just sit in it for a while. I sent it to yeah. Um, yeah, a friend of ours and he was like, oh man. <laughs> this is a, it's, it's such helpful. a great thing, man. It's such a, it really, it changes your mindset as to what things are really about. It's like, hey, what's really going on here? Oh, it's not this at all. It's like, oh, it, it just, it's like when somebody cuts you off and you're like, I'm going to fucking murder them, dude. I'm going to fucking get next to this person. And then you drive up next to this old lady. Right. And it immediately dismantles. You're like, this person's struggling. You know, this is an old lady, dude. Right, right. Immediately your anger is dispelled. All right. Well, take that with you, folks. If it's hysterical, it's historical. Mike Vecchione, I, thanks for doing the show. This was great. Thanks for having me, buddy. I love you. Yeah, it was awesome. I love you. And, uh, and, and Katie, people know that you guys are dating. Can I say that? She yeah, was great. you can say it, man. I'm proud was- of it. She was great on the show, too. She might so. be ashamed of it, but I'm proud of it. Um, she was great. We, I mean, one of the most memorable moments of the show was she pointed out that antidote and anecdote are two different words to me. <laughs> I was like, I read this amazing book called The Antidote. I always thought there was a C in that word. And she's like, anecdote? And I was like, no, antidote. It's actually antidote. And she's like, that's two different words. And I was like, I hate myself. So ah, it's so great. Very smart. And that's a great book, by the way. Oliver Berkman, The Antidote. I think you'd like it. Uh, I'm, gonna, awesome. I'm looking for something to read, so I'll write it down. Oh, yeah. It's great. Antidote, No C, Oliver Berkman. Uh, it's fucking awesome. It's like one of those books I read that I'm like, oh, I feel differently. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to download it. Awesome. And pl- what's your podcast? Let them know about the podcast. Uh, my podcast is called No Disrespect on the Gas Digital Network or wherever you get podcasts. Uh, no Disrespect. We've been having uh, interviews. Um, we did some interviews with some non-comics, which... Uh, we're good because of zoom we were able to do that so um no disrespect and you can follow me at comic mike v on all social media platforms also buy my two albums uh with the worst kind of thoughtful available on itunes and the older one is muscle confusion please buy my albums and uh, follow me on social media at comic mike v oh yeah i got both those albums and i love them thank you um, buddy. all right buddy i'll talk to you soon i appreciate right, it brother. thank you all right Bye-bye. tell katie i said hey i will all right Mindful Metal Jacket is hosted by comedian Joe List. Produced by Joe List. Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcasts. <laughs>